You are listening to another Always Moto production. The Always Moto Podcast with your host, David Hogan. We talk moto events from around the world. All the injuries, all the training ins and outs, the bikes, parts and gear inspections. The results, we interview your favourite riders. It's the Always Moto Podcast. We occasionally have some coarse language and the odd stuff up along the way. If you don't like it or you don't agree with us, turn it off right now. I'd like to remind you that he is not a doctor. That's right, Moto fans. I'm not a doctor, but I am a physiotherapist, and this is episode 85 of the Always Moto podcast. This podcast is proudly presented by Liat Moto Australia, and as always, I'm your host, David Hogan. We'll be joined later in the show by the Always Moto contractor, Ben Grinley. He's still waiting to get paid despite the fact he turned up in Newcastle for his first official media day as media man accredited. Um, so he's still looking for that paycheck. But, he, you know, he actually did some work this weekend. It was good to see Benny in person for, for a change. This is the Always Moto podcast. We are in the depths of the clinic throwing strapping tape anywhere it will stick. As always on the show, we'll be going through all things moto, but particularly the injuries in our sport because hashtag injuries are a part of moto. And unfortunately, there was a few people that went down hard in Newcastle for the Australian Supercross round there just past, this past weekend. This week's show, we're going to catch up with the Australian Supercross riders Reed Taylor from the SX2 class and Jeremy Waters from the SX1 class. Both guys were in Newcastle uh, and had one had a good result, one a not-so-good result, uh, but it was a first-time round for Jeremy, so we get to talk to him about his experiences at Newcastle Supercross. We're also going to talk about the round that was at Newcastle Supercross, the results and what we saw and what we did in terms of Benny and I being on the ground there, which was awesome. We're going to look ahead a little bit to World Supercross and Australian Supercross in Melbourne, but we'll do more of that in a pre-show in episode 86 next week. But we'll have a little bit of a look into that as well. Uh, we're going to go through another Blair's banter. Blair's on the line again, uh, giving, giving us boys something to talk about. Um, so another good show coming out this week here with the Always Moto podcast. Now, Moto fans... This episode is brought to you by Liat Moto Australia and they are the ultimate in gear and protection solutions for riders seeking top-notch safety and style. From head to toe, Liat Moto has you covered with innovative helmets, goggles, body armour and more. Ride with confidence knowing you're backed by gear designed by riders for riders. Liat Moto Australia has cutting-edge technology that pushes boundaries in rider safety. Don't compromise on your safety and comfort. Choose Liat to stay safe. Ride fierce and embrace the thrill. Head over to liat.com.au and gear up for your next ride. Now, also bringing the show to us today is Competitive Edge Performance. Are you looking to take your performance to the next level? Competitive Edge Performance is the go-to provider of strength and conditioning programs, sports nutrition, and on-bike coaching schools for athletes of all levels. Whether you're just starting out or a seasoned pro, they've got you covered. Offering in-person sessions and top-notch online programs accessible anywhere, anytime through their awesome training app. Competitive Edge Performance believes everyone deserves access to the best training and performance methods so you can ride faster and safer and feel damn good doing it. With over 10 years experience in the industry and plenty more personal laps racing motocross tracks themselves, their coaches know what it takes to succeed. Join Competitive Edge Performance today. Always Moto Podcast listeners can get 50% off your first month on the training app using the code COMPEDGECOACH. That's C-O-M-P-E-D-G-E-C-O-A-C-H, all in capital letters. 
Now, also bringing us the show is Slant Board Guy and Endurance Recovery Boots and Tech 167 3D Printing. Um, using the code ALWAYSMOTO in lowercase in both of those Slant Board and Endurance Recovery Boots will save you at checkout uh, and also give us a little bit of a kickback with the affiliate deal there. Uh, and when you're mentioning, when you're ordering with Tech 167, make sure you let them know that you're listening to Always Moto Podcast and they'll hook you up with a discount as well. Now, as always, we need your support to get to those races. We want to try and get to something here in the US in 2024. Um, the plan is, well, I don't actually know what the plan is yet because we're waiting on to see if the funds are going to stretch that far. The US dollar sucks for Australian at the moment, the conversion rates. Um, but we need that support. So we've got our T-shirts available. They are $25 plus postage and handling. Buy a shirt. Help us get to these races to bring more exciting content that you haven't heard before. Show your support and rock those t-shirts at the races. You need to email info at alwaysmoto.com, put t-shirt order in the subject line, and we'll be in touch with our pa- about a payment details via PayPal. Now, speaking of PayPal, if you don't want a t-shirt, that's fine. They do look sexy on most people. Not everybody. Maybe you don't need to wear t-shirts. I don't know what your situation is, but maybe you want to support the show anyway. You can just send a donation via the PayPal account. Now, to do that and to find all of the sponsors we just mentioned, they are available in the show notes below or on the social media bios. You'll be able to find that link tree link and get there and find everything you need uh, via those links there. So make sure you check those out and support the sponsors that support us to support the show, to support this thing. Keep going. All right, enough with this intro talk. Let's jump into the show. Hey, guys and girls, it's Campbell Williams here and you're listening to the Always Moto podcast. All right, we're rolling into the show. It's been a big weekend for us here at the Always Moto Podcast. We're at Newcastle Supercross for round two of the Australian Supercross Championship. We had the contractor make the trek all the way out from wherever it is that he's from, all the way to Newcastle in the car, and he's on the line with us now. Benny, how are we, mate? I'm all right. Um, yeah, really good weekend. But, yes, the uh, the drive, the nine-hour, ten-hour drive is... It's not nice, but it was uh, it was well worth it. Now, just make sure people are aware that's one way, right? Yes, that's one way. <laughs> oh, what a trek, mate. You must have been smashed by the time you got home on, uh, what was it, Sunday evening? Yeah, I got home about 6.30. Um, probably would have been 6, but I had to help a oblivious lady fix her tyre on the highway because she was doing about 110 and that thing was nearly on the rim. So I had to wave her to pull over before the spark started flying. Um, <laughs> and maybe she ended up in the trees. Uh, but, yeah, now it's about 6.30 I got home. So I think I left yours at about quarter past 10. And, um, yeah, just sailed on through. Yeah, nice. Well, you're doing your good Samaritan part, mate, by the sounds of it. Yeah, so I was, yeah, it was it was scary. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> and, been... then, and then and then and then then when I pulled her over, she's like, "Oh, I thought something felt funny, but I thought I might have just been tired, or I don't even know." And I was like, "Love, you are very lucky." Yeah, no, I've been on the uh, on that same position as you are. They're trying to flag flag people down with a tire that's you know shredded to pieces, and they they are oblivious. It's amazing to me, but. <laughs> Anyway, they, they seem to still exist in the world. They haven't had a you know a moment with it yet, so maybe that was the one because we saved them anyway. But yeah, nice work on doing that for her. For her. I'm sure she was appreciative. I gather you you, know, you changed the tire and everything for her in the end. Yeah, well, I was just lucky. Um, you know, as you know, I towed a trailer up there and uh, dropped something off for a mate, and 
So I had the bottle jack and I had the rattle gun and everything to make life really simple in case, you know, the trailer blew a tire or something like that. And yeah, I think it only took me about two minutes to change the tire and she was back on the road and she only had, I think, 16 Ks to get home. So uh, she almost made it, but yeah, I helped her change the tire and sent her on away and kept trekking home. Jeez, that sort of speed, mate. You want to watch out like uh, Formula One might be calling. Possibly, but um, I'd, I'd have to I'd, I'd have to turn them down so I can keep having brilliant weekends like we just had. Yeah, well, look, it, that was the main part of it. Obviously, Newcastle Supercross, your first media accredited Supercross event, mate. How does it feel? You're official. Yeah, it was pretty exciting. I'm not going to lie. Um, for those who you know don't know, obviously. I probably messaged you stuff, you know, injury stuff for probably two years um, before you sort of, you know, got me on to do that Wagga preview. Probably, oh, what was it, forty episodes ago now, maybe. And so nearly, um, it would be yeah. just about a year ago now, wouldn't it, on date wise? Yeah, it's probably about yeah twelve months ago, um, and it all sort of stemmed from having a knee injury and stumbling across pulp and. I thought, geez, that'd be, you know, really something cool to do. And um, and I'd already been messaging you before that point. And then, um, yeah, you gave me a really good opportunity. And, um, yeah, we got to do media on the weekend. And, yeah, it's just I don't think I've, you know, either, you can go in the pits and you can do that sort of stuff on your own when you go to a Supercross weekend, but there's just stuff that you don't get to do. And that in itself is a whole other experience. Yeah, well, we were saying, like, when we went out on the track walk, I sort of asked you if that was the first time you'd been on track walk, and that was a yes. So I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is, you know, sort of new exposure for you. Like you said, you can do certain things when you pay for the passes, but if you don't, you know, they've only just sort of started doing those paid VIP things where you can actually do somewhat of a track walk. We saw them out there at Newcastle with their... Uh, with their uh, little covers on their shoes so they don't get dirty shoes while they're walking around. But, you know, you're out there with all the pros. They're all there looking at the track for the first time. It's a bit of a different vibe, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, it's, you know, something, like I said, I've always wanted to do. And, you know, we were lucky enough to do it and probably be able to do it in Melbourne as well. But you just, you know, later on in the night while I was watching, I was just thinking, you know, I was walking on that before and we were talking about you know what we thought they might do and where you know we'd probably hit freeze if uh, Vince Freezy if we were <laughs> you know going up against him and whatnot um and you just sort of get a whole different perspective of the track you know you don't realize how steep things are or um you know those whoops you know we only got to sort of quickly run over it because we sort of ran out of time but you know we said that they were horrible at the start of the day and uh, they claim plenty of riders at the end of the night. So, yeah, you just get a different perspective from, you know, being able to walk on the track and look at, you know, what the pros are talking about and stuff like that. And um, I had sent you a video today. We were even walking track walk next to an eight-time mountain bike champ that I had absolutely no idea uh, who that was, and we ended up in uh, <laughs> the video that was made for him. So, uh, yeah, you just never know who you're going to see on there either. Well, there's that, and there was that dude that was in the suit doing stuff, and I still don't really remember who that was at that point, but we're both looking at each other going, who's that dude, and why is he in a suit on a Supercross track walk? 
Uh, yeah, I think he ended up being one of the maybe SX3 riders or SX2 riders. But, yeah, at the time, you know, we were all getting mud all over our shoes and whatever else, and it was hot. Um, you know, it was hot there, luckily for the breeze blowing through. But, yeah, I'm glad I wasn't doing it in a suit. Yeah, he's trying. I don't know, but maybe he was trying to take a leaf out of Kenny Roxon's thing, but I think he missed the memo that that was only for press day, like <laughs> press conferences, not for uh, track walk. So anyway, but yeah, the sights and sounds of uh, of track walk, you obviously get all the pros running past looking at the track and the teams all walking around. And, and then we did the rider briefing that you sort of get to listen to and hear the different questions that the guys are asking about the event and... You just get some perspective, I find, as to how the night's going to go and it gives you some questions, like some talking points for later because you can say like, oh, well, when we walk the track earlier, you know, during that late that post-race interview, you've actually got some context to it because you can say like it looked like this, but you guys ended up doing that. What, what was the go with it? And it just gives you some more fami- familiarity with the riders about when you're trying to talk to them later on too. And, and you got that then during the day in the pits because we were obviously in the pits for the entire day, not just when the VIPs got let in when the heat races started, but we were there during the qualifying and got to watch the qualifying from the press box and then run back and forth between the pits and the press box and talk to different people. And, yeah, you get to sort of, you know, be a part of that, you know, almost the race itself in terms of being the rider there nearly. Uh, yeah, that's right. You know, we um, there was a few riders that we sort of kept going back to after different sessions. Um Reese Bud and uh, Ryan Collenberg and uh, Jeremy Waters. And, um, you know, they were giving us some insight. And, um, you know, you, you can see the track from the press box. We walked it. Um, and then you get their insight. And, um, you know, you can sort of just add it all together. And then, you know, come race time, uh, everything happens the way it does. And you can sort of understand why this happened or how that happened and whatnot. So, um yeah, it was really good. Yeah, it's just a different experience. But, yeah, it's it's awesome to be in that, that position. And, yeah, it's nice to be able to have you come along and join us with the Always Moto stuff at that point. And, yeah, get to do it again all, all again in Melbourne, mate. We'll um, have to uh, make some more efforts for, uh, <laughs> for, the, for the Aussie round and the world round. But, yeah, let's hope that we can get on that track walk when the world guys are going around because that'll be interesting too to hear hear how they view the track as well because obviously the Newcastle round was probably the best round that we've had in in, in you know in terms of the Aussie round and even if you count that world supercross round two in Abu Dhabi this track in Newcastle was better than both of those so it was it was interesting to see that but I'm assuming Marvel Stadium is going to be on a whole nother level uh, you know above that again um, just because of the the roof and the the whole world supercross round and yeah it's a tiny bit i would say it's a tiny bit bigger floor space as well so yeah just be just be awesome to be a part of that yeah well i mean you know in america there's you know probably a few people who could say that you know they've walked the track with the stars over there and whatnot um on their you know press day and whatever but i mean how many people in australia you know could say that they got to do you know track walk with kenny or you know just anyone in that you know anyone that's racing the world so um yeah it'd be pretty good uh experience and you know just even in newcastle that was um yeah something really special so we took plenty of photos um you tried to stick a sticker on the start gates but 
Got to go. We thought maybe we bet when you get them. <laughs> yeah, we thought it. Yeah, might not be a good idea, but yeah, no, it was. Yeah, a really good ex- experience, and um, yeah, like I said, I don't think you'll you'll know just how much I appreciate you know the opportunity that you've given me, but um, yeah, it's really something special. Yeah, nice. Now let's uh, let's quickly touch on the fans as such. There was uh, according to Mick Sinclair, who's the uh, I don't know exactly his role, but he's running the Australian Supercross Series, essentially. Um, we met him in the elevator at one point and in the media briefing at the start of the day. Um, but his post this week, um, during the week's post-event, he put up that there were 16,500 fans at Newcastle, which is a pretty decent roll-up for an Australian Supercross um, event. Yeah, well, I mean, those pits, um, you know, when we're walking around in the pits and you were nearly bumping into people, so... Um, you know, it's a really good turnout, especially for how hot it was. You know, those pits were packed and, you know, it was really hot, uh, especially, you know, with the sun um, coming off the, like, the ground onto the tar uh, made it probably that little bit hotter. But, yeah, the fans were there. They were getting posters signed and getting, you know, photos and sitting down watching um, the interviews and stuff that were being done. So, uh, yeah, you could tell that um, there was a lot of people there. And that, that uh, people that were in the pits too, they were only the VIP or people that bought special passes. They weren't just, you know, if you had any old ticket to come and watch, you weren't actually able to get in there. You had to have a special pass to get into that, which is obviously an extra fee. So it shows that they were all interested to be a part of it in that level, to be in the pits, because if you're not really that interested, you're just going to go and watch the racing as such. But yeah, they like you said, there was heaps of people in that pits and plenty of people watching the pit party that was being hosted. Um, I do. I actually just reminded me too. The the one cool thing that I think was probably really out of the box, which was funny because it was in a box, was Dylan Will's bike that he had set up like it was a Hot Wheels, um, you know, bike in a box that you'd buy off the shelf. But it was um, Hot Wheels, and he's in his uh, race race bike, spare bike, whatever it was, was in the box there. That was that was a pretty sick um, display there in the pits for him. Yeah, I think it was, you know, it was something really different. Um, I, you know, I can't say I've ever seen anything like that. Um, and, you know, it got... Uh, t- the few times we walked past his uh, pit, they were, you know, it was packed uh, every time we walked past. So uh, I think that and, you know, he had uh, take a photo of it, tag it on the Instagram and you got a free bag of goodies or whatever it was. Um, you know, I think all that for him just, you know, made a really good um, a spot to go to and interact with the fans and everything. So, uh, yeah, it's thinking, thinking outside the box, um, putting a motorbike in a box. And, um, yeah, I think he did really well. And, um, yeah, like you said, it was, you know, really good to see. Yeah, no, it was an awesome setup there. It's just different. Like, it's one thing to have a nice, you know, pit presence think something like you know you cdr where they've got the big rig and they've got the the big awning and the bikes out the front and the media like the the um, hospitality area on the side but that like dylan set up being just that one man band that bike in the box he had the the music blaring he had the sponsors there he had giveaways going you know and it's just him and his van and a, and a quick shade essentially um and I think that was the best pit setup, you know, pit pit atmosphere going. Um, he was probably drawing a crowd because he was not far from the uh, Honda truck there. I think he was probably getting more of a crowd than the Honda truck was. 
Yeah, we went through, the, you know, went past the Honda truck a few times, and yeah, I, I think you're right. There wasn't, uh, you know, a great deal of people um, going past it. Uh, but even going back to Wagga uh, last year, it was it always seemed to be pretty, pretty thinned out at the Honda truck too. So I don't know if the riders just don't come out or, um, you know, what, whatever they do. But yeah, I think um, yeah, he, <laughs> Dylan had a lot more people there throughout the day. Yeah, well, that that Honda rig. While you mentioned about them not maybe coming out so often, they that rig is so big that they have that like it's got two trailer sections. I don't know if that's technically a a B double setup. I think it might be, but I'm not sure for the way it's all done. But that front section, when we're there at the end of the night waiting for the riders sort of to come out so we could do the post races, that whole front section was just a massive lounge uh, by the looks of it. So. Um, yeah, they were tucked in there in the aircon out of the way and obviously out of sight. So, yes, the people will come past and see the bikes, but if the riders aren't there, they're not going to hang around for too long. And obviously as a, as a you know, a Honda Australia team, they don't have, well, they do have the external sponsors, but obviously not doing the, the giveaways and the, and the engagement like, like Dylan was. And, yeah, Dylan was obviously doing really well by his sponsors and that's, a you know, a good investment in my eyes that he's that interactive and he's there and giving stuff away and just, yeah, making the party what it should be in the pits. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, the, um, the boom studio sponsor that he had, they were all forward doing as much as they could too. I think they had just as much fun as, uh, he was probably having. And then, you know, for him to get, uh, fourth on the night, uh, it's sort of, you know, it makes for a good day when you can sort of, you know, return the favour, I guess, in a way, and do well for the sponsor after they've, you know, spent a lot of money and time and effort to, like you said, get the box in the, uh, the bike in the box and uh, everything else they were doing. Um, yeah, it's it was really good for him. You touched on something interesting there, actually, the sponsorship bit, because there's sponsors and then there's sponsors, right? And, like, you know, I always like to try and have, whenever I've had anything to do with a brand and, like, here on the show, and, you know, Liet Moto Australia has been on board with us now for a few weeks and we're trying to do different videos and, you know, plug them throughout the show and we're going to have obviously more things going on with it. But you try to make it, you know, interactive and, and two-sided in terms of the engagement. Like you'd want them to do share stuff of yours. You want me to share stuff of theirs, you know. And, and you sort of see that in some of those other sponsors in in the pits there where it's a one-sided transaction where like, you know the the rider's got the branding on the bike, but the the sponsor might not be there as such and be a part of it. Obviously, the the rounds are you know potentially nation nationwide, so they're not obviously going to be able to be at all of them. But I get the feeling from Dylan's setup that that they're going to be at you know all three rounds if he was there, sort of thing. You know, and supporting him and being a part of it and getting that you know engagement and capturing contacts or or spreading you know getting people to spread the word via you know instagrams with social posts and hashtags to get the business you know promoted which is exactly what you want out of a sponsorship it's it's kind of disappointing that some of the others don't see them the see it as a two-sided thing they see it as a we gave you something you go out and promote it it's, it needs to be bigger than than just that in this day and age if you want that as they always say in the marketing things the the roi the return on investment so yeah, it's, it's different how that worked. But, yeah, well done, Dylan. Um, most impressive um, pit setup goes to him, definitely, from Newcastle. And hopefully he can do similar in Melbourne. But I dare say 
I didn't see the pits last year for the Australian side of things, but it was all a closed setup being in that Marvel Stadium. It's all in the car park there. It's I'm not sure how open it is to the public and if they're going to do a VIP thing or not for Melbourne. I haven't haven't looked into that I, and I haven't looked at ticket purchase or anything for that side of things. But hopefully he can do something similar if they do have the access there and and um, yeah promote those sponsors as well as he can. Now let's um, let's shift gears a little bit, mate. The the results from Newcastle. We had a little bit of a, a bit of a tips set up from the previous podcast, and both of us went Dino for SX one and Max for SX two, and seems we were spot on the money in terms of uh, the outcome, and even so much so that they both swept their respective classes for all three final events at at the uh, this triple final format that they had for the Newcastle around this past weekend. Yeah, they both rode. Um, yeah, they both rode really well. Um, I'll start with Max. Uh, he was just a class above the rest in those whoops. Um, you know, the others were probably Nathan Crawford was you know maybe the closest to him, um, and it was really just the whoops that were the you know the deciding factor. Um, he was pretty much just flying through them like it was you know like they were nothing. Um, you know, he didn't get the starts in all of the races. Uh, I think he got it in the last one, uh, but he had to fight through in the other two. And, um, yeah, again, just battling through all those riders just in that one section um, is what made it easy for him. And then, uh, you know, Dino was the same. He didn't get the greatest of starts in one or two of them and, you know, just came through the pack. And uh, I think in the last one he got got it and just disappeared so uh pretty much what we expected and um yeah they're very very close to you know just getting the title in uh in melbourne yeah both of them are pretty much shoe-ins i think they just have to turn up and they've got the titles wrapped up which is awesome for max because we talked about it last week where that he would want to try and get a bit of a gap there so that he doesn't have to push too hard on the friday night and jeopardize his chances at taking home the Saturday night's world title as well because it could be a, a double title weekend for Max Anstey in, in uh, Melbourne. It's looking quite good for that, actually. So, yeah, it's um, a good result, good outcome for him in that championship hunt for the Australian title as well. So, But he touched on something really important there. That those whoop sections at Newcastle, it was a treacherous section of track. The, the way they were built, they were, they were big, um, and the transitions between them was very, very much a notch. So you had to blitz the whoops. There was no chance in hell that you were able to jump the whoops and that's what you know got a few people in trouble when they tried to. Um, but then obviously when they tried to blitz and they couldn't carry their speed the whole distance because you know these guys aren't as good as a Max Ansley or a Dean Wilson in those sections. They haven't had that same exposure year after year. They couldn't carry the speed to the end and they would then eat it in other ways because they dropped the nose into them and the the bottom of these whoop sections just was not favorable to a a wheel rolling through it so that whoop section really made the difference as particularly in for those two front runners yeah they weren't the greatest and you know when we like we said earlier when we walked through them um they weren't nice and um you know we were talking to Ryan Collenberg in the pits and he said you just like you can't jump there's no you know in between each one there wasn't enough room to get a decent 
um, jump to just, you know, the double-double or whatever else. Um, and, yeah, some of our guys just can't uh, can't hit the whoops as well as the, the pros, and, you know, it showed. That's why, um, you know, you had Dino, Brayton, Anstey, uh, all just, you know, the, the ones they get in America are, you know, a bit similar or probably worse at times. Um, and, you know, they're just used to hitting those sort of things. So uh, our, some of our riders probably still got a little bit, you know, to go in getting better at uh, whoops. But, yeah, it's just, you know, when they get built certain ways, it makes it hard. I think if those whoops set was in a, an AMA Supercross, they would have looked just fine from, you know, from watching on TV because 99% of that field would have been just blitzing them um, and not even had to worry about going to the jump line. But the fact of in Australia that we've got these guys that are probably from like, I I don't want to really say it, but like fifth back, definitely 10th back, but um, in those classes where they don't have that experience and they might not be able to do it every single lap in terms of blitzing whoops. They need to be able to have a jump line in these. And that transition, like I said, was just not allowing that to happen. And that would be potentially down to how they were built or what machine built them. And the fact that they didn't get any work done on that section of the track throughout the day, um, not just into the night program, they didn't work on those whoops from what I saw at all. Um, so that didn't help things in that sense at all. So I think maybe if they were going to do this again, particularly to try and encourage more guys to come through and not hurt as many guys in that area, they need to be able to be a bit more rounded tops and bottoms to let the lesser quality supercross rider in our Australian fields get through these sections and not die every time. Yeah, and I mean, you know... (laughs) That one person, for instance, Clouts had that experience in America uh, on the 250. But, you know, even someone like him, you know, not every lap you can't, they just can't hit them. It can't hit them perfect. No, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's just we've got to be able to build these people into them. At this point in time, we're basically a, a new series again, aren't we? Like in terms of the gap from couple of years off with the COVID situation. We've only had very limited number of events since then for these championships. They need to build them a bit nicer to get these guys up to speed. And then in a couple of years' time, they might be able to do those sorts of things. But even then, if they're going to continue to run this CR2285CC Cup, those kids all had to roll them pretty much. I think there was one kid that was attempting it as a blitz slash jump, but that was it. Um so, yeah, it's, it's got to be a bit different in that setup for those sorts of, um, you know, for the event to be run nicely across everybody. So, yeah, anyway, that was a little bit of a, a sidetrack there. But the other part of this, so we had the winners, obviously, in Dean Wilson and Max Anstey. But the big loser in Newcastle, I feel, was Justin Brayton. Brayton had what seemed to be a really good night going um, in terms of, you know, qualifying well, heat race win, leading main event one. But then the lappers got really bunched up in front of him as he caught them and slowed him down a lot. Dean Wilson took advantage and managed to sneak past. And then it just wasn't good after that. Um, he, he had a bad start in the second one, managed to get second. And then the third one is where it went really bad when he got hooked up on the start line along Luke Clout's bike, along the straight even, and then managed to crash before they even got to the first corner. And 
that was pretty much the night for Justin Brayton and pretty much the sixth of uh, the attempt at the sixth championship in a row out the window. Yeah, I guess if you look at it, one half of uh, your Eve's team did really well and the other half uh, had a, had a horrible night. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I suppose excluding Parker Ross. Um, but, you know, he, like you said, he was good, you know, through qualifying and whatnot and had, you know, I think did he win his heat race? Yeah, I think. he won his or heat race. Or was close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, to just have those, you know, to come in contact with uh Clout in that last race and just roll along the floor um after that big hit in Abu Dhabi the weekend before. Um one, I think he'll be pretty sore, but yeah, two the the six titles out the window now and um you know, we would have liked to have seen it, you know him still have a chance going into Melbourne, but, um, yeah, when, you know, you can start the day well and it just never turns out how, how you think it's going to turn out. And, um, yeah, him and Webster just had horrible luck all night. Yeah. Um, well, look, one, he can't be too sore because he's signed up for Paris, um, Supercross this weekend. So he's flown over there. So he must be doing okay. Um, and second point, I've just double-checked the Supercross SX1 championship positions. Dino's on 100, Josh Hill's on 76, and Justin Brayton is on 71. So mathematically, Brayton is out of this championship hunt with only one race left. So 25 points on offer. He is mathematically out. And Josh Hill needs to win, and Dino needs to finish last. For Dino not to win. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make it... Um yeah, that exciting going into Melbourne um, with a gap like that. You know, like we said, Dean's only just sort of got to finish, I guess. Um, well, it's a carbon copy in SX2 as well. Max Ancy's on 100 and Nathan Crawford's on 76. So they basically both just have to start the main event. Yeah, and, you know, those two guys will want to get through that and just focus on uh, focus on Saturday night, especially Max um, going for that uh wsx title but you know anything anything can still happen um but yeah it's i think they'll you know they'll be fine they'll get into position if they don't have to push they won't um they can both clean sweep the whole series um by winning you know they win the last two uh races they will have won everything but i think if it comes down to it they'll probably just you know not push if they don't need to now, we'd t- we'll preview Melbourne a bit more next week's show, but you'd have to think with the Friday night program for the Australian Supercross being a traditional format in a in that a 20-lap main event and a 15-lap main event for the SX1 and SX2 classes respectively, kind of no matter where both Dino and um, Max Anstey start, if they're sort of in that top five, you'd feel that by the time those laps are run out, even if they're taking their time with it, they're going to be near the front just in terms of their class, their fitness, their speed in the whoops and on a full-size, you know, AMA-spec track here that we expect to see at Melbourne. I feel like they're going to be near the front anyway, so the chance for them winning is probably pretty high. Yeah, you're spot on. Um, You know, it's 20-lap main, 15-lap main for the SX2 and... 
you know, like you said, towards the end, uh, you know, people can fall off, people just get tired. Uh, and I think those two will, you know, if, like I said, if they're close, they'll want to, you know, they'll keep the head down, focus and keep going. Um, but yeah, if it's, if it's too much, I think they'll just back it off. But yeah, towards the end, they'll probably be there ready um, to snatch any position up that they can have. Yeah, definitely. Now, anything else that sort of stood out to you from the results side of things for Newcastle, Benny? <laughs> uh, pretty happy with Clout's uh, third place. I it could have been. Be. <laughs> yeah, I thought that's where you were leading to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He he looked good all day. Uh, he even got to go out and do that GoPro lap uh, for the TV, which I don't actually think I saw in the coverage anyway. Um, but that's what they said over the stadium speakers. But, uh, yeah, he got to go out and do that. And he looked good uh, through practice and quality, won the heat. And then, um, yeah, got a good start in that first uh, first race and just made a bit of a mistake in the corner before you go over the start line. Um, he's very lucky that he didn't end up in hospital in the second main uh, with uh, as a second or third. Yeah, with Webster pretty much landing the front tire on his back. Um, but yeah, I guess you know third overall uh, for the night. Uh, you know, we talked to him and he was disappointed, but he'll take it. Uh, but yeah, it was just good to you know, good to see him up there. And you know, the the races he fell off, he fought back through the pack, and you know, it was good to see. It's been been a little while, and I mean, he was quick in Abu Dhabi as well. But same thing, just some silly mistakes and whatnot. So uh, yeah, I think Melbourne, he um, he might be on for a good result in Melbourne. I feel like with Luke, ever since sort of that championship that he won there for the for the outdoors in Australia. He's been obviously a lot of injuries in that period since and he's always been coming back from injuries and trying to be right at the front when he's come back and it just hasn't worked out for him in terms of just pushing the envelope a little bit too far and causing a crash here or there and nothing dramatic but just enough that it's thrown the results out for him and maybe now that he's had a few more races in a row without too much hassle, maybe Melbourne is the one that gets you know put in place. He's got two weeks in terms of, you know, training and practice laps to get through and that might just be enough that it, it all sort of settles into place for him and like we said about the the championship hunt maybe dino is just riding a little bit casual and and luke gets a start and runs away who knows but yeah for, for luke it was an interesting night i had no when i saw when we saw him at the end of the night to do the post race i kind of felt like he didn't get on the podium because of the way the whole thing went and all the incidents that that went but yeah it's just the rest of the field, and I think I said this 10 times in each one of the interviews we did post-race, everybody's results, apart from Dean and Max Anstey, their results were up and down. Like, everybody had a good one, a bad one, and a good one, or, or two bad ones and a good one. Like, it just was a... That that three-race format just was horrible for consistency in terms of results on Saturday night, mate. Yeah, it was, and, you know, that's... I guess in a way that's the good thing about it. You got three, uh, three races to, you know, if the first one's rubbish, you got two more to go. Or if the middle one's rubbish, you may have already had a good first one and you might have a good last one. Um, so yeah, sometimes it helps. Sometimes it's really hard. 
um, you know, especially especially when you look at the US when they do it. Uh, there's a lot more riders in there to, you know, go up against and getting good results consistently, whereas, um, you know, over here it's that little bit easier uh, for some of the riders. But, yeah, you've got three chances to go at it. Um, and you can come back or yeah, you just don't get there at all. So like we said with Luke, you know, he had um, not the greatest night, but still ended up on the podium and um, yeah, that's, that's good for him. Mm, exactly. Yeah. So he's, he's, he's not doing well in the championship hunt. He's, he's a fair way down into fourth with 70 points, but um, yeah, look, he's got, one more round to see if he can maybe get on the podium overall. He's got to bump Brayton out of there and maybe even can jump his teammate, Josh Hill. But, um, yeah, let's see where he can get to from there. Now, the other couple of results that sort of stood out for me on the night, one was Joel Whiteman uh, in the privateer ranks there in the SX1. He got uh, sixth overall, but he's now fifth overall in the championship hunt, which is pretty awesome. Obviously, Dylan Wills was fourth overall on the night for his first race back from injury. So that's got him, you know, up in the championship despite missing the first round. He's in seventh, uh, which is also really good. Robbie Marshall ran pretty well in a couple of them there um, on on Saturday night too, Benny. That was a bit of a shocker. Yeah, I think he got a good start in every single one. Yeah, um, and ran up and yeah ran up front for a bit, um, which is you know and he's. You know, I guess what we call it a veteran now in the in that <laughs> class, and he's also a, you know a freestyle rider. So um, yeah, that's pretty pretty good for him to be able to do that, and um, yeah, have a have a decent night. Yeah, and look, the the one that had probably the worst night of everyone, you know, outside of Justin Brayton missing out on the sixth title chance, Kyle Webster. I felt like he was just absolutely dejected while we we're waiting for him for that post race. I almost didn't want to do it because he just looked like he want, he wanted to go crawl into a hole somewhere. Yeah, and like we said, you know, that was a horrible night. Um, got tangled up with Brayton in that last one, uh, landed on Clout in the second one, and um, yeah, that, the first one wasn't great either. So, you know, most of them weren't his fault, and you know he. Could have walked away with a pretty big injury um, from any of those, you know, the three races. So, and like he said, he was sore uh, to us. But, yeah, luckily, you know, he can rest up the next two weeks and get some more practice in and go again in Melbourne. Yeah, what was – I'm just looking for the result in that. He got fourth in the second one, but he got a DNF in the first one and a DNF in the third one. So, just an absolute shit show, unfortunately, for Kyle Webster on that boost on the team. But, um, yeah, anyway, look, so then the SX2 class, Nathan Crawford had a awesome night going, apart from that second one, I think it was. Um, run out front, I thought he was going to get the win in that first one, mate. He almost did. I think it was, oh, what was it, a lap or two to go? Yeah, it wasn't long. Um, yeah, and Anstey and got him, but, you know, just... Uh, the whoops they just yeah like we said that's the deciding factor and um he was quick but Ansi was just that little bit quicker and um yeah only had yeah half a lap one lap to go to you know get at least the first win and uh take away the win streak from Ansi but it just yeah couldn't happen but after you know after Adelaide uh he was you know pretty happy on the 
on the podium and whatnot. So he'll take uh, he'll take second for the night. He was impressive too because like he, his scores were two three two. I thought that second one was worse than a than a three. But when you compare to last year, um, and I remember the interview with him that I did post race last year, and it was almost like that Kyle Webster feeling um, when I was interviewing him on Saturday night. He was just dejected about the whole thing. Everything had gone wrong. He'd crashed and, you know, got really bad results. But then fast forward 12 months and he's second on the on the night and, you know, giving Max Anstey a really good run for his money. It's amazing how things can change in racing week to week, year to year, um, with basically the exactly the same sort of program. Like Nathan's been with the KDM Australia team now for a few years, probably doing the same sort of training and stuff year on year. You know, not like he's changed bikes and that's changed fortunes, or you know, changed trainers and that's changed fortunes. It's just probably the, exactly the same program, but different outcome one time to the other. Yeah, and I mean, you got to look at, um, you know, look at his whole season this year. I guess um, he was pretty quick in the MX series. Um, was pretty unlucky to lose points in that first round. Otherwise, I think the title. Could have gone either way at the end of that. Um, he was, you know, fast in a lot of those races. And then, um, yeah, I think he's the quickest guy in Supercross in that, um, you know, in that 250 class with, you know, again, with Wilson Todd. Um, but, yeah, Todd just had a few unlucky, you know, crashes and whatnot. So, yeah, I think Crawford's just, you know, uh, on top at the moment. And I'd expect uh, Melbourne to be um, somewhat the same. And I think that he's, I think he got a wild card in Melbourne last year from his performance on the Friday night uh, as well. So, um, yeah, I, I'd expect Melbourne to be pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I expect him to do really well down there. And it, look, you just touched on something too. Like there's still the chance that some of these Aussie guys will end up riding the Saturday night in World Supercross, pending on, you know, injuries in, in practice and whatnot as well for them, the World Supercross guys on the Friday and whatnot. So there's still a fair few things that could go on here. The racing could be really interesting in uh, in Melbourne on both nights of the event. Now, if we just scrim through the rest of these uh, SX2 results, Cole Thompson there, or Robbie Wageman in third and Cole Thompson in, in fourth in the championship, they're both tied on 65 points, so that'll be a nice little battle there for them in the championship to get that third and final podium position overall. Wilson Todd's just a bit further back. He's had some interesting Supercross rides. I'm not sure that the Supercross thing is consistent for him yet. I don't think he's done heaps and heaps of laps on it, um, and it showed on on Saturday night with a, a good, a bad, and an okay result from, from his three races, so... Something there with Wilson. He's got the speed. He just hasn't got the consistency on the Supercross track yet. Yeah, and I mean, you know, he went to America uh, early in the year. I can't think of what round it was. He did a couple of rounds uh, and had a, had an injury, and then like a th- I think it was a thumb injury or something that he came back from. But yeah, he did only did a couple, and he had similar sort of fortune there. He got taken out one massively on the start. Remember? Yeah, he got taken out. Um, yeah, taken out on the start, then another one he got taken out in the whoops. Um, so, yeah, he just doesn't seem to have uh, a lot of luck in in Supercross. No. And so the rest of this championship, uh, 
Reed Taylor was one that I, is standing out a little bit at the moment, and not knowing much about him um, is an interesting side of things as well. Now, just a little insight here. I've got an interview rec- recording with him tomorrow. Now, this show is being done in different order of uh, than usual. So whether that all goes ahead or not, we'll make sure we'll see how it goes. But hopefully, we're talking to Reed tomorrow um, and putting it into this particular show. But yeah, I, I had to apologise to him when I messaged him to come onto the show. I one didn't meet him on the weekend, and two didn't realise that he was, you know, he was somebody in the SX2 class. But he put in some really nice results on Saturday night. Yeah, and you know, I said that the other. Uh, I said that to you the other day. There's just so many people that we didn't see, and they had good performances, and you know that we sort of don't know about or we haven't, you know, talked to. Um, so yeah, we've got uh, yeah, be good to get him and uh, listen to you know listen to how his day went after yeah, pretty good result. Yeah, it's interesting too because you look at the results and he's like. The highest one, like he went eight six five, but he's the highest one that's got no sponsors listed. So you know that tells you something that he's he's on the up and coming. So maybe next year that will that will change a bit if it's particularly if he does another sort of solid effort in Melbourne. So yeah, we'll see how that all plays out. All right, let's um let's switch a little bit again, um, Benny. We'd, let's have a quick touch on Matt Moss's situation. Um, obviously had a couple of crashes. Yeah, in qualifying and then another one in the first main event and, and ended up ding and effing the rest of the night. Um, but the point that we want to point out here is one is that for one for this week, he's obviously out for, he was going to go and defend his Prince of Paris title, but he's out for that with Bud Racing. Um, he's out for Melbourne, well, Australian and World Supercross. So that leaves his Club MX ride in the World Supercross vacant at this time. So, as per the World Supercross rules, the riders, the, the teams have to have all four riders on track. Um, doesn't have to be obviously the one that they signed originally, but they have to get fill-ins to ch- ensure that the gates are full. So fill-in, it's fill-in time. It, it, there must be some Aussie boy that can get a call up here, surely, Benny. We can get somebody onto that Club MX ride, or maybe, just maybe, they go to those other riders that they've recently signed in. Jet Reynolds and Mark Phineas that had signed on for the AMA 250 series um, with Club MX. Do they bring one of those into that team and then bump somebody up to the 450? Or how will this work? What, what are we speculating here, Benny? You got any thoughts on this one? Because i got a couple. Well, it'd be good to see an Aussie, uh, an Aussie guy get it, get the ride. Um, even, I guess, if they moved one of the 250 riders up and then... If you can do that and put a 250 guy on, um, I mentioned the new signing of Jet Reynolds. They could possibly bring him over. Um, he hasn't had a lot of luck in Supercross though, and you know I think one of the comments in the group chat was, you know, do they risk that? Uh, probably not. You got a you got but, a funny point there, and he hasn't had a lot of luck in Supercross. He started a press conference uh, press day once and yes. a couple of laps and that's all he's done because he broke a wrist <laughs> so i wouldn't really say it's funny i'd say it's very limited <laughs> yeah so um yeah you know they might even just wait till you know, i don't know i don't know when they have to wait till to fill it you know they might have to fill it straight away they might be able to wait um but yeah what what are you thinking 
Well, I know somebody that's been reached out to already, and I actually um, touched in with him to see if he was going to one get it, and he confirmed that he was got. He's had some calls already, but he's not going to take it, and I'm not going to spill who that is, just in case that does change in time. But um, yeah, I, my first thought was this guy, and he had a good result as a privateer um, in that SX1 class on the weekend. So nice to see that they did reach out to an Australian. Um, but then we've got the, the self-proclaimed privateer hero in Australia, Elijah Weesey, has put out on Instagram that he's available for anybody to call. So he's obviously looking for a ride. He's a potential candidate. But you've got to sort of look through who could fit into this situation easily. Is there somebody already on a Yamaha? Uh, and is there someone already going to be potentially at the Australian Supercross round that could, you know, fill straight into it? Look into whether they would then bump someone like Cole Thompson up to the 450 class and maybe bring in one of the other Aussie boys on, you know, maybe Caleb Barham because um, he got that podium on the weekend. Do they do something, you know, along that line? Do they look to the WBR team? Um, you know, this Ryder Kingsford. I don't know if that's, you know, that's probably not in a, in the same class, but there's options there in the Australian things. Or do they just completely, you know, wash that idea and they just bring one of the guys that's at Club MX every day every of the week training and they just bring him over because they've already got a ticket book for somebody? Yeah, it's just, yeah, I guess we're not going to know until till something comes out but there's plenty of options um and yeah that's you know that was my idea put someone on the four fit move someone up onto the 450 and fill the 250 is probably the easier thing to do um but yeah until the confirmation comes out uh i guess we're just going to play a guessing game yeah well i might um i might have to put a few reach outs this week to see if we can find somebody that, that can confirm or deny that they are or they aren't and we'll try and bring that information next week on the podcast um so i'll probably reach out to cole thompson uh and probably reach out to um oh his name is slipping my mind right now but he's the marketing or the media manager for club mx mike um is his name and where has he just gone? I've got bloody forgotten him. Mike Bonacci uh, of Club MX there, who I met at Redbud. So I've got his contact details. I'll reach out to him and see if he can confirm or deny who's coming over and going to fill that spot because that will be interesting to see who takes it in, in on Saturday night on the Club MX bike. All right. Um, we touched on those other two signings for Club MX. The last thing I was going to bring up, the Supercross 2024 AMA injury list has begun, Benny. There's already one on the list and potentially two, but I'm not talking about it just yet. Yeah, the rumour of the second one um, was uh, dropped out yesterday somewhere. Um, but, yeah, until you get confirmation, we'll just leave that one. Well, I have, um, but yeah. I have got a bit of a confirmation on it, but uh, he asked me not to talk about it just yet. So we're going to leave that one alone. But the first one, yeah, Richard Taylor um, cr- kicked off the list for us, unfortunately. Yeah, it's not ideal, um, especially for, you know, a femur. That's, you know, that's not ideal. That'll, well, you'll be able to tell everyone how long, but, um, you know, there's a bit of rehab in that. And then, you know, get him back on the bike if he does. Um, so, yeah, this, you know, what are we, a month and a bit out, I guess. Um, it's, yeah, not ideal at all. 
No, well, a month and a half out is definitely not a femur fracture recovery time period that's going to allow him to be out any race anytime soon. But that's going to be sort of that three to f- three to five months for him out and about um, with that recovery. But the thing that's interesting for Richard and we, if you want to go back into our um, podcast archives there, when, on whatever player you're listening to, we spoke to Richard probably a year and a half ago about um, an injury that he'd had at that time. And then we ended up on the topic of his CTI custom knee braces that he had because he actually has, I'm pretty sure it was both knees, that he has no ACLs in both knees. But So he's got complicating factors in terms of stability at his knees. He also has since broken a kneecap on that same leg that he's broken the femur on and that's done some damage to his knee and that surgical work that was holding that kneecap together is now impacting the injury recovery for that. So he had to have surgery to remove that as well as the surgery to put a pin down the length or a rod, I should say, down the length of his femur to fix that. So he's had a fair bit of work done. He's had a couple of complicating factors. That five months is probably going to be spot on five months if not maybe a little bit longer so you don't want to be the first one on the list for anything um unless it's the million dollar ticket mate but um you definitely don't want to win an injury list the first one on it with a big injury like that too to kick off the 2024 list but uh unfortunately richard is that person yeah and yeah you don't want to be on that list at all um so yeah it's pretty it's it's pretty unlucky, but, you know, that list will grow, um, unfortunately, and keep growing once, you know, once the season starts. And it's, you know, as uh, in the words of Phil Nicoletti, it's death cross. So <laughs> that's what that's what happens. Do you feel that that was accurate on Saturday Night 2 in Newcastle? Because I kind of feel like it was. Ah, oh, look, from... I think the minute we went and sat in that press box and were looking, you know, out across the track, it was just yellow flags or red cross flags or... But do, you remember, um, do you remember that we were sitting there and I think two sessions had gone out and nothing had happened? And I said to you, I can't believe nobody's crashed yet. And sure as shit, the next session, lap two, somebody goes down and then it just started, like it was rolling from then on. Yeah, it just snowboarded from that point, and I said you just had to say it, didn't you? It was so, coming. Like, yeah. whether I said it or not, it, it was coming. Yeah, it was. But yeah, I think that's probably the most crashes I've seen. I reckon at a Supercross weekend. Um, so obviously, I've been to Melbourne. I saw you know World Supercross and Oz X last year. 2019, I saw the OzX Open. I've been to Wollongong a few times, and that's you know that's a few years ago. And yeah, I just can't remember seeing that many, you know, that many accidents on the track throughout the day and throughout the night. No, it was yeah, it was pretty rough. Now, I've got four confirmed injuries for the emergency department later in the show, just from the. Newcastle round but then there was two others that were just before the Newcastle round from the Australian guys as well um, on top of then um, ones from Adelaide as well so yeah bit of a bit of a heavy list for considering we're only three rounds in a in a supercross season in Australia so not not very good on all that and actually too I'll touch on this um, a little bit more but yeah poor Aaron Tanney still stuck in Abu, Abu Dhabi 
Yeah, it's not ideal. Uh, he won't be happy with um, you know the way it's gone, um, breaking the ribs and you know getting stuck over there, uh, especially when this you know Newcastle and Melbourne would be his um, last race on the CDA Yamaha. So it's not a great way for him to you know end that relationship, I guess. But he'll get healed up and then go and. Um, go to america and start the new journey hopefully he can get there soon because yeah it seems like that bit being stuck over there is taking a lot longer than he expected because when i checked in with him uh, not long after it had all happened he was expecting to be out of there by the weekend but um yeah that hasn't obviously happened just yet so anyway now let's um let's finish off this middle section here we've got a blair's banter for the uh the week you ready for this one benny Oh, <laughs> you I don't even know which way to go. To go right? yeah. Yes, yes, I am, mate. Well, 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 he surprised me last week. I thought he was, he came in, you know, a little bit positive, and I think even the group chat didn't think that that was going to happen. So <laughs> I'm not sure which way to think it's going to go this week. Well, he's a man of many emotions, it seems, uh, good old Blair. So let's see what he's got for us. You ready? Here we go. Why isn't Newcastle the first round? That track was pretty damn good. The layout was a bit, bit of a bummer about the blue groove, but other than that, everything else was great. They always pull a big crowd. Like Mossy said, it's the mecca of racing in New South Wales, maybe even Australia and Newcastle, with all those unreal motocross tracks around. Newcastle has brought out some of the best riders that Australia's ever had. It was good racing. Was bummed out about Mossy hurting himself. How did it look um, down there live? Like from what I saw, whoop speed seems to be a big problem for the Australian Supercross riders. Other than Moss, it seems that we've got all these um, veterans that are just still there, still doing the same thing. When is some young fella going to stand up? I see. I think there's a guy who can. I think it's next year. I think you're going to see Reed Taylor. And I think he is going to be on the mark. Well, he's positive again, mate. Well, I'm going to call him out right now. What did it look like live? Well, someone hit him on a drive three hours to the track. (laughs) (laughs) And I drove nine. He could have seen what it was like live. This is true. This is true. We will give a little bit of a, yeah, you could have come down, mate. But anyway, he's cu- supposedly coming to Melbourne, so he can see the track live in Melbourne and, and make a judgment on that one. But, uh, yeah, I get your point. But um, I don't know about the the blue groove. It was more of a shiny groove that they ended up on the track. Yeah, well, that, that corner after the whoops, I think they probably flicked through every gear going down that start straight and still couldn't get any traction yeah. uh so that was probably the worst that was probably the worst part on the track um and actually in one of the uh mains clout nearly had a massive high side because of it uh he wasn't the only one but he was one that i noticed uh of the big names uh but yeah very very slippery yeah the track got super slick and i think that was just down to the fact that, like we we talked about we got an interview coming up with um, Jeremy Waters, who was in the back end of the heats in the SX1 class. And the rain that happened 
on the nights, a couple of nights before, um, seemed to, I would have thought, soften the track, but it seemed to make it all compact in and just then they watered it throughout the day and obviously worked it with the, with the m- machines to try and take ruts out and stuff, but it, it just seemed to compact it and compact it. And then when they watered it before the night program, that water didn't go in. It seemed to stay in the top, you know, centimetre of the dirt and it just got slicker and slicker and slicker all night long. Well, you you tapped me on the shoulder and you were laughing at the the guy in the dozer was pretty much just doing circles uh, on that start straight, trying to you know rip it up a little bit and I guess yeah. get some trying to break the surface. kind of grip, yeah, get some grip there, but it just it just didn't happen. No, no, they had nothing on that side of things. So yeah, not no blue groove, definitely no blue groove, but shiny groove, definitely. Um, but the track itself, in terms of the size, the build, yes, 100%, it was the best. Like, I don't know about it being the round opening round because they need to build into tracks like that. But I would like to see something other than Adelaide Entertainment Centre as the opening round because that was too small and too simple. But, yeah, it could be. Like, why, why not? You know, it had a good roll-up. It, it, I don't know about the... Um, Mecca or the, uh, you know, all the motocross tracks in the area being, you know, the great ones. Um, you know, we've got Cessnock, we've got Maitland, we've got Lakes. We used to have Barley Ranch or the ranch, but it's supposedly coming back here shortly. But I wouldn't have said any of them were exceptional. Um, but we do have a number of tracks in the area that helps have riders in the area, you know, places to go to and whatnot. Um, so we do have lots of people that are enthusiasts in the area that, that then help fill out the stadium. So that is a plus in, in all aspects of promoting the event in Newcastle. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think I'd put it for, uh, as the opening round. Um, we got told on the weekend that there'll be five rounds next year. So it'll be interesting to see where Newcastle ends up within those five and i guess you know where they're going would be the other thing but uh newcastle for me was a last minute plan and that's probably the second third best place that i've watched no i'm gonna go second second best place i've watched uh supercross so that'd be melbourne newcastle and then wollongong um just you know it was great not the best like yeah, not the Mecca. We can't say that, like you said. Mm. Um, but it was, you know, it was a really good, a good event. You like the pits, all the fans in the pit that were there in the pits. Um, just the stadium itself is nice and, you know, seems easy to get around in. You go to Marvel and if you don't really know your way around, it's like a, you know, you don't know where you're going. Um, it was just, you know, easy to navigate and whatnot and, yeah, I think any seat in that stadium would have been a good viewing point as well. So, um, yeah, not probably not the opening round, but, you know, like you said, you've got to build into it. And to have Adelaide, you know, it was Adelaide, but uh, to go Newcastle then Melbourne, uh, for the people that will probably go to both, uh, I'd say they'd be pretty happy with, you know, it'd be money well spent to go to those two. Yeah, now... On the other side of things, on the other comments, I'll just touch on them quickly. Obviously, one, we already touched on those, the whoops being a problem for everybody in the in the event and that the Aussies' whoop speed isn't probably there yet. Um, 
and good point, like we, we touched on Reed Taylor, but, you know, well picked up on Blair's point as well to say that he might be the one that sort of breaks that mould. We do have an older group still stuck around in the Australian Supercross, probably in part because of those couple of years of COVID where nobody got a chance to ride it. Um, so they haven't really developed those skills to be able to be pushing those older guys off the podium and out of those, you know, longer custom rides that they some of them seem to have had. Um, so, yeah, we do need to see some of these lower SX2 and SX3 guys starting to make the move, become, you know, players in SX2 and even into SX1 in the next year or two. Um, Caleb Barham being one of them, he had a really good night. Um, he might be one that does it. Um, Reed Taylor might be one that does it. You know, there's a few on that list that could potentially do it. Um, Jace, what's his surname? Jace, is it Cos, Cosgrove, Cosgrove, Worth, something like that. Um, he, he, I'm just looking for his name and the bloody results, but I can't find it right this second. Um, but he might be another one as well that soon can sort of build into this. And, um, oh, Jace Cosford, Cosford, I was close, it was Cos something. Jace Cosford might be another one as well. So there's a few riders that could be coming along there. Um, but if we go back on that information that we had, Benny, from the weekend about the five rounds for 2024, if we keep Marvel, if we keep Newcastle, and let's hope they do something better than Adelaide Entertainment Centre, but let's say there's something in Adelaide again, where are our extra two, do you think? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, one's got to be I don't know, you, you, one would have to be you, yeah you would think that they'd have to do one in Queensland and then I guess another one in New South Wales um, you know we've talked about which stadiums uh, before in one of our other podcasts mm-hmm. and you know it's you know it's not up to us we've got ours that we would pick and whatnot, but um, like I said before, Wollongong's probably, you know, my third on the list is a good place to watch. Um, and it's, you know, I think there's a lot of people sort of around that coast area that, you know, race and whatever, uh, whether that comes into account or not, I don't know. Um, and it's just had, you know, a heap more seats put in like big, big grandstand and stuff put in down there as well. So, uh yeah who knows i yeah i'm not sure yeah i i think like obviously one there'd be a queensland round i wouldn't mind it if wollongong was the next one on it um and i I don't know where else they would go to you know outside of that um we talked about those other venues being you know possibles of like some regional things but yeah you have a feeling that they won't do that um based on the fact that they've been trying to go to those main sort of cities um, so far with these f- front three rounds. But, look, I'm, I'm dying to hear more about that if they've got some some places in, in mind. We'll have to um, – we might have to hit up a few people next next uh, next week in Melbourne when we're there to see if we can get any information about possibles um, now that we know who the people are to ask as well. So that, that'll be interesting to see. But, yeah, look, good good blessed banter this week. I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah, like I said, I didn't know which way it was going to go, but um, yeah, it was a bit more on the positive side again this week. So, um, 
Yeah, and again, we just stir him up. You know, we know, <laughs> we know he's got. He was busy this weekend coming. That's why he didn't come last weekend. But uh, that, that's all part of the banter. Yeah, no, exactly. It's only only friendly friendly fire, as they say. So uh, look, we'll have to catch up with him in Melbourne. Uh, maybe we'll stick his his mug on a couple of Instagram shots as well. Um, but yeah, it's um, looking forward to. Uh, Looking forward to Melbourne here. We'll have some more coverage on that and whatever else happens in the week uh, leading up to next week. Um, but we'll be travelling on Friday morning to get down there. I will be. You'll be there Thursday night, Benny. Um, so looking forward to it. We'll um, we'll get more of that coverage then. Um, for now, let's take a quick break on the Always Motor podcast. We'll be back with some, hopefully some, and I'll like I said before, recording in, a, in not in order here, but hopefully we've got two interviews coming up here in the next sections of the show. Hey guys, it's Matt Moss here. We're tuning in with Always Motos podcast. All right, girls and girls, we are back. We are sticking around here. We're going to jump these in before the interviews. I didn't mention it. I'm out of order. I'm out of whack on this podcast tonight because we're recording in a whole bunch of different positions this week um, to try and get each person that we want available, available. So look... Throwing it together, last second on the arrangement. Sorry for that, but here is the emergency department. This week on the Always Motor Podcast, we'll be talking the crashes that were at Newcastle. The emergency department. All the injuries, all the gory details, and when they'll be back on track. It's the list you really don't want to be on. Benny stole my punchline earlier. He used that you do not want to be on this list. You really don't want to be on this list. And when it's a three-round series in the Australian Supercross Championship, one injury is the end of it. It's, there's no coming back from it. Now, some things that happened before Newcastle that we didn't know about, that we found out on the day. Two injuries. Campbell Williams. Uh, lumbar spine injury after Adelaide. So Campbell got on the podium in Adelaide. Uh, and he actually then basically the week later or a couple of days later after Adelaide had a crash, broke some bones in his lower back and middle back, uh, and he's been out ever since. So he wasn't at Newcastle, and I wasn't aware, and I didn't know, and nobody did apparently until they got to Newcastle and he wasn't able to ride. So that's it. Well, his team knew, but nobody else outside of that knew. So that was a, a bummer for Campbell Williams. Now, in a little adventure there i've spoken to campbell williams i've got an interview with him in it'll be in our show next week on episode 86 of the always motor podcast so stick around for that campbell's been a busy boy on the podcast recently but we got some different information from campbell about his situation with his injury um, his training and a few other bits and pieces indian supercross as well so stick around for that on next week's show the other one that was an interesting one, and I didn't click. I don't, I'm not familiar with everybody's face as you, as you are or you, as you need to be when they're running around without their helmets and their gear off. Caleb Goulet uh, was running around with a Leet wrist brace on all weekend, and I, and I so kept seeing this guy with his wrist brace on, and I didn't know who he was, but I'm like, that's got to be a rider, and I, I, I need to ask, but I never got the chance to. But turns out that the week before Newcastle, uh, he broke his triquatrum bone which is a little bone in your wrist um, so he was obviously using that wrist brace to support the injury whilst riding and whilst not on the bike obviously probably needs to be in a bit more of a permanent situation there to get it to heal but needed to wanted to ride the supercross round and again in melbourne we'll probably try again 
managed to get through the night all right. He got some reasonable results, nothing super spectacular, but he got points, uh, which is probably what he was trying to do, trying to you know impress people for rides for next year. Uh, I'm not sure wha- what his situation is there with the Empire Kawasaki team, but look, not great that he had that fracture, but awesome effort to get through that the night. Not an unusual thing to sort of have uh, that little one of those little bones in the wrist there as a fracture and people pushing through. Um, sometimes they know about it. Sometimes they find out much later when they finally get scans, but obviously Caleb knew about it uh, and still managed to push through. So interesting night there for Caleb. Hopefully these next two weeks he can get it to settle a bit more. It won't be healed in that time frame. Obviously four to six weeks is that minimum time frame for those bones to repair. But uh, maybe he'll be in a bit better situation. Maybe he'll be in a worse situation. We'll have to see when he gets to Melbourne how that all plays out. Now, on the night, now we don't have heaps of information just yet on all of these um, because some of them are still playing out. Uh, we've reached out to a couple of them and we're waiting on feedback, but we'll just give you the what we have at the moment. But um, Jake Cannon has had an internal injury. Um, he has injured his pancreas and he's had surgery on that and he's obviously just in hospital still getting waiting for all those sorts of things to be settled enough for him to be released and we'll get some more information on him either at melbourne or in the meantime uh, maybe we'll be able to bring you more next show but yeah a bit of a rough go for jake now josh bishop also went down um, but we don't have details on him yet Um, again reaching out nothing as solid that i can bring you there but yeah he had an injury as well at newcastle now, Jesse Bishop had a dislocated shoulder in the um, SX1 heat race. Um, wasn't able to qualify after that, but yeah, managed to dislocate a shoulder. So I'm guessing that's happened to him before because he managed to ride the next few laps afterwards um, with it out apparently still as per his Instagram update. Um, so that wouldn't have been pleasant, but it may not have been the first time that he's dislocated his shoulder. If it is, nice work on getting through that pain while it's out and riding through, but um, not something I'd advise doing much longer either. So I have to see if he needs any work done or if it can go back and he can do the conservative management approach and do the strengthening in the gym to sort of make it stable again. The next one on the list, Noah Ferguson, number 29 in that SX2 class, went down in the rhythm lane um, after the finish line um, jump. Went down into that berm, uh, looks like a lower limb injury. Again, don't have details on it. We asked the team on the night how he was. They said they didn't have really any information to add other than that he went to the hospital that night. So um, waiting to hear more on that. Again, we'll check in further with the team and Noah over the next week or so and either find out more at Melbourne or hopefully hear from him and bring you to more information on the next show. And the last one from Newcastle, we've sort of touched on him already in the show. It's Matt Moss, um, the number 102 in the SX2 class on the Empire Kawasaki. He got himself really beat up, unfortunately. He had two big crashes in qualifying. One in the whoops that I got on on film uh, that's on our Instagram and in our YouTube video when we're doing our post-race interviews, it's overlaid over his um, interview. We didn't actually video him because he was in a he didn't look great. He, he was, he was, it was really awesome of him to do the interview and we appreciate that. Um, but we didn't want to put him through the filming because he just didn't look, he didn't look great at that time. Um, so we just wanted to spare him that side of things. But um, we got that, that footage there of the whoop crash and he does a nice tumble at the end of the whoops and just misses the berm. And then I think it's a lap or two later 
Same qualifying session. He goes around, misses the dragon back, the step off the dragon back, and just endos his brains out um, into that off the end of the dragon's back there. And that's what did most of this damage that's now seen him out. He mentioned to us on the night that he thought he'd broken his right hand. He had bumps and bruises all over himself, his legs, his arms. Um, he had a. He also managed to um, hit his head on the ground as he went down. He broke the peak off his helmet. He had a sore neck. He was basically walking around keeping his head still, which is a bad sign in the first place because if your neck's that stiff, it's not a good sign. Turns out, as per his updates since the event, that he did, in fact, break um, a vertebrae in his neck and he's going to be in a, he's pictured in that neck collar in the video. So he's going to be out for five to six weeks just on that fracture alone. No mention in that update about his hand, but that's probably as part of it as well. Um, so not a good situation there. And then obviously to crash again in the main heat number one, or sorry, not heat, but the heat, the first race of the main events um, with that three race format, the crash in that again, he took a long time to get up. Obviously all those other things caught up with him at that point and he was not in a, in a great state. Um, now on the Matt Moss situation, um, little, and I don't know how much of this happened, and so this is all a bit of speculation here, but I talk about this with the AMA as a lot across the year as well with the concussion protocols and what constitutes somebody getting tested and, and how that, that particular process needs to be driven by an independent party. Now, for Matt, I don't know if he had a concussion or not. I don't know if he did, he didn't. Nobody, as far as I know, would have tested him for that. Um, he's tried to tough out the event and ride the rest of it, which is an attribute that's worth having, right? Like that's a that's a toughness, that's a, a, a willingness to try and finish what you started. All those things are awesome. What I want to see in all of this is that one, he's, he, you can tell that with that Dragon's Back crash, anyone in the stadium watching that could see that it was a big event, right? And when he got up, his peak was off. So he's clearly bumped his head at some point in the crash, whether that was the first impact point or the second impact point or the 50th impact point. It doesn't really matter. The head's impacted the ground, right? What I want to see then happen in the AMA, in the Oz Supercross, in any sporting event, when those head impacts happen, like in the football, in the NRL for the Australian listeners, um, they have that independent person watching the process and then they call them across for an assessment. Now, if Matt passes that assessment and he's able to then, you know, be cleared and be able to clear the race, great, right? We're not trying to stop him from racing because he's bumped his head at some point. If he passes those protocols, fantastic. But I just want to see that he's actually getting the assessment done to make sure that he is in the right state to be actually going out and competing, one, for his own safety and two, for everybody else's. Not trying to stop him from racing. I want to see people tough out the injuries like that as well if they are able to and get a result that you know sh- shows some heart because that's a storyline in itself. But what we don't want to see happen is if he did have something in terms of a, a minor concussion and he then that second crash when he had it in the main event there, if he then impacted his head again, there's that risk of that second concussion syndrome and potential death from that as well. Now, with, you know that's catastrophizing things a little bit, but it's a potential thing that can happen. And we don't want that to happen to anyone, let alone a nine-time Australian champ. So hopefully one of these medical crew guys that's watching the races, because obviously they're there all watching it, um, hopefully one of them saw it and did some sort of assessment and let him go. No idea if that actually occurred because that's not something that we're privy to with that information at this point in time. But let's hope that this is a a lesson for everybody in terms of 
getting him assessed or and any rider that bumps their head any damage to a helmet you know any crash that has seen the where the head is impacted the ground which in unfortunately in most cases the head's going to be on the ground at some point but the, those ones where it's like a first or second impact they're the ones that need to be screened and like i said if they do the screening and they're all fine great go ahead but at least we know that they've been checked so hopefully Mossy, obviously, with all this, the, the fracture and the other bits and pieces he's got going on, he's got time to recover now. Um, he sounds like he's going to be back next year, which is awesome. Just a matter of him healing up. Hopefully, that all goes quickly for him. He was registered for the Indian Supercross as well, so I'm not sure how that's going to be impacted by these injuries, but it's going to be pretty tight timing um, depending on when that Indian series starts. It's meant to be in December, so we're only a few weeks away from that, so I'm not sure that's going to work out this year. But, look, main thing, first and foremost, Mossy needs to get get well, um, and then hopefully our overall testing procedure and concussion protocols can get a real kick in the butt. I've been, like I said, I've been saying this for a while, the concussion protocols need a revamp, not to be preventing people from riding, but to be protecting them if they need to be protected from themselves and from you know from others so that they can make sure that they're not impacting their long-term health. All right, that's the emergency department updates at this stage. Um, obviously, a lot of Australian Supercross ones from this past weekend in Newcastle. As we find out more information, we'll bring it to you on the next show, but make sure you stay tuned on our Instagrams and other social channels. When we get these updates, we'll put these things out and we'll be putting out more and more stats together for our AMA lists as we do each and every year. So we'll be keeping that list together and we'll bring those updates as we get closer to the start of the season, particularly to see how many injuries happen in that pre-season this year uh, because last year there was a few, the year before there was a few more. So we'll be interested to see how it plays out in, in the lead up to 2024. All right, and one I forgot here in the Always Moto Emergency Department, Aaron Tanti, um, we touched on him a little bit earlier in the show. Unfortunately, still stuck in Abu Dhabi after that crash he had at Round 2 of the World Supercross. The rib injuries are obviously keeping him from flying at this point in time, obviously with the changes in pressure, potential blood clots that can occur with flying, the changes to, um, you know, lung capacity. There's just so many aspects with those multiple rib fractures around the, the heart, the lungs there. The risk for flying is too great, obviously, at this point in time. Now, he's been stuck there for um, a week and a bit now. So, ideally, he can get back here soon, but... I dare say that is putting risk or preventing him from, like he mentioned about to me that he might try and do Melbourne, but I dare say that's not going to happen. But it just means um, a lot of, you know, well, not unnecessary, it's necessary in terms of the fact that he's over there, but he's in hospital preventing him from doing activities that he normally would be in terms of even trying to train potentially. Now, he may just be in a hotel room by now. I'm not sure on that update exactly, but... It's uh, yeah, not a good situation for Aaron Tandy to be stuck overseas post-race with a post-race injury there. Um, hopefully he can get back to Australia soon, if not to America because of that Team PRMX ride that he would want to be getting to ASAP to start testing on the Cowie and getting things happening there. But uh, yeah, hopefully by the time Melbourne rolls around, that can be all resolved for him and he can, uh, you know, move on with the rest of the next set of training and the next ride for him that is the AMA Supercross in 2024. All right, let's take a break. We'll be back with the interviews.
Hey guys, it's Aaron Tanti and you're listening to the Always Moto Podcast. Alright guys and girls, joining us on this week's episode of the Always Moto Podcast brought to you by Liet Moto Australia. He had a very good night in uh, Newcastle. He's riding the number 86 model, uh, 86 model, 86 number Husqvarna from Raceline Husqvarna Racing. It's Reed Taylor. How are you doing, Reed? Hey, good, thanks. That's the way, man. You had a nice night going in Newcastle, mate. It was a... I, I didn't know. I had to actually apologize when I um, messaged you to see if we get you on the show. I was looking through the results and I, I saw your name up so high and I'm like, one, I didn't come and say hello and introduce myself and two, I didn't even really realize that you were there as such. Like, uh, you know, it's a new sort of name to me and yeah, but a very impressive night for you. Yeah, no, it was pretty good. It was a bit of a slow start with our qualifying and a bit of a rough heat race, but um, yeah, managed to get a decent result. For yeah, it was a bit of an off night. Like I didn't didn't feel really comfortable, like with the track and whatnot, and it was very slippery. But um, yeah, ended up coming out with a decent result for yeah. So I was good with with how um how I felt on the night, anyways. Yeah, look, um, eight, six, five were the moto scores, fifth overall. You're now seventh in the championship. Um, I said to pretty much everybody when I was doing post-race interviews that it was an up and down night for them. Every time I sort of talked to them, they had, you know, one good one and two bad ones or two good ones and a, and a really bad one. And you actually went just consistently improved across the night. So I think that's a pretty good sign in itself. Yeah, no, yeah. I was I ch- made a few suspension changes and a few things like that. But um, I was always on – because I didn't do the um, – a really good heat race. I was always like really wide off the start, so it was a bit of a struggle being so wide to to um get a decent start. But yeah, no, it came out of it all right. Would you have made much of a difference, like if you could have um re re you know picked the gate you know from Moto Two to Moto Three? Would you have made much of a change? Like I found, I feel like that inside, as much as everybody wanted it, it was the bottleneck there and a bit of a dangerous spot. Um, where were you starting, and where would you have liked to have gone to on the gate? Yeah, well, from the heat race, you only get like the heat race goes on all three mains. So I was pretty much I was in the exact same spot all three mains. Mm. So everyone was just going like pretty much the guy that like went good in the heat race. He was just going far inside, and then everyone from that, you know what I mean? It was just not really get to pick. It was just where you where you ended up. So it was yeah, I was pretty far wide, but no, I came out of it all right. Like all three starts, I was I was up there, so yeah, it wasn't too bad. That's yeah, it was a bit of a a tight first turn and um, a few, you know, incidents, particularly in that SX1 class. Um, you're obviously in SX2, but, um, yeah, just it didn't seem like it was flowing through there. And obviously the other part that popped up at one point, and, and uh, Cole Thompson mentioned this when I was asking him about it in the post-race, but he even, you know, shortcutted the corner because there was just, in his mind, there was nowhere to go. when Once he got there, everyone had sort of bottled up and just stopped on him. So a bit of an yeah, interesting well, in my, first corner. Yeah, in my heat. I hole shot it and then I came in a bit too hot and um pretty much just washed straight out because there was like not like the berm first corner was real like flat so then we all just like turned off a flat turn but it was it'd be alright if you know what I mean the dirt was was half tacky and that but it was it was just like ice in the first turn so pretty much everyone was like backing off halfway down the straight just so they didn't overshoot it and and yeah yeah it was a crazy setup that that first berm like you said was I wasn't really even a berm. It was almost just like a bit of a slight incline. Like there was nothing to really turn off for you guys. And even that 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 berm, not a berm, was a long way out from the corner. I feel. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, so it didn't make make for a it didn't make for a great first turn. And then, like you said, the track got very slick. Um, challenges for you guys, obviously, 
across not just the start but the whole track turned into a, a massive shiny section across every point that the tyres were touching the ground. Was that something new for you on a supercross track? Yeah, definitely. I've definitely never ridden anything that's like that slippery. Like it's probably the slipperiest track I've ever raced on or ridden. But um, it was yeah. Like even in the heat race, that I was trying to push, and then I ended up like in the mains. I ended up just you know what I mean, backing it off a little bit, and because I was, I you start to push, and then both wheels would start you know what I mean, slide out coming into the corner. So um, yeah, I was just you know I mean, back it off that little bit to to stay on it. Did it make it hard for you guys to actually like hit some of the the rhythms in terms of just to get traction to to still make the you know clear the jump neatly? Yeah, well, most of that. The far rhythm that it had a burn before it, so it wasn't too bad. But the first rhythm, I was going inside and then like double and like roll and then double, triple, and it was yeah, it was like a few times I I um, messed that up because I just didn't get any drive off the double and then case the double because it was just so slick I was just wheel spinning off it. But yeah, other than other than that rhythm, the other one had a burn, so it wasn't too bad. Yeah, I was I was, I mentioned to a couple of people they sort of had to use the 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 berms particularly. Um, like the dragons back for the lesser guys, you know, the faster guys would seem to be okay going inside, but the berm seemed to help just set you up to actually be square and 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 upright, not not still on that lean angle of the tire trying to get traction because that was just didn't seem like it was going to work at all. Yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty tough going over that. It was like you were still turning but trying to go over the dragons back. I don't, I don't even think I went to the berm because it was so far out. There's that part of it too. Like from a race point of view, like you're obviously a bit more in towards the pointy end of the field, particularly in that third third final race there, being in yeah. fifth. Um, you don't want to leave the door open that far. No, no, definitely not. No, you don't want to go out there when someone's right on you. <laughs> so what's the plans here for the next few weeks? You've got a you've got oh, we're a week and a bit to till Melbourne. Um, training, working. What are you doing during the week, mate? Yeah, pretty much. Just I've just been I've been living down at um, Sydney and training with Matt Moss for pretty much this whole season. But um, yeah, obviously he's in, injured at the moment. But yeah, I've still been down there. But I've had a few few um, issues with my suspension, like after Newcastle. So I'm back up. I'm back at home now, and then I'm gonna head up tomorrow to um to Raceline and and do a few um, things with the suspension before we fly out to um. Melbourne next weekend. You're going to get a chance to test all those changes before Melbourne. It's not going to be a you know race day. Find out how it feels, or you're going to get, a, yeah, get no. some track time yeah. on you. <laughs> yeah, no. Hopefully, get a um a day or two on the on the new stuff and and on the bike and um yeah. Then we'll I'll probably only do about four more rides and then and then yeah we'll head down and um, race at Melbourne. Yeah, nice. And and any expectations for you down there in Melbourne? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Obviously, obviously, I want to do well, but um. Yeah, yeah, we'll just see how we go. You're seventh in the championship, mate. Um, it's not too far for you. I'm just going back to that uh, points list there, but um, you you potentially could you know jump up a couple of spots here. There's only a few points between you and like fifth, even 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 fourth is only ten points in front, mate. So, um, it's fairly tight there. Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't have the best of rounds at um. Round one with a dislocated thumb and that, but um, yeah, hopefully finish this last round off off good, and then yeah, we'll just have to wait and see how we go. Now, dislocated thumb—that's a good one. Um, how has that been dealing with? Like my background, I don't know if you're aware, but I'm a physio, and sort of a lot yeah. of the things we do is the injury check-ins. But um, did you have to manage that at the race? Did you have to tape it at Newcastle or anything, or did you just you, you got past all that point and and you yeah, no, nah, I was I was um running a brace like a molded brace up to ride with, but um no, nah, it's healed up pretty good now and it's um 
it's yeah, it's sweet on the bike now, which is good. I struggled for a bit there, but but you you don't realise how how much you know what I mean. You need your thumb. I, like people think you dislocate a thumb, but yeah, when you when you're riding with it, it's yeah, it's it's difficult. But um, no, nah, it's good now. So yeah, it's good. There's a lot of pressure through that point on the handlebars and and just that grip strength to be able to wrap the thumb all the way around. I was actually um talking to do you know Bob Apoli from from the American scene and how he lost the tip of his thumb during the Supercross last year and he's been yeah. back riding um and getting ready for 2024 AMA season and without that tip of the thumb he's had to make some changes to you know grips and and how he's gripping the bike and just yeah it's a, he's realizing that it's quite useful to have the whole thing there and and reaching around for a, a solid grip strength so yeah it is super important yeah yeah 100 percent. yeah i didn't really realize how important it was till we till it was injured and then yeah i was struggling heaps but um it's, it's good that it's sweet now so yeah now i was saying to you before we hit record that was i was sort of snooping around on your instagram to sort of see if there's anything else to talk about you've actually been over at dortmund supercross mate and done some international things yeah i went over there with um a few aussies started this year and um went and raced that it was just yeah a bit of a last minute thing but um but yeah it was it was awesome and um yeah, I plan to go back. I think it's the uh, 13th of January next year. Yeah. So go back and do that. They're racing the series there at the moment because I think Dortmund's the last round. But yeah, we're, they're like they're doing. They started the series um, last weekend or the weekend before. I'm pretty sure. So is that but a yeah, um, like a like a, a, a team ride that you got to go over and do for that one round, or was it you yeah. went and bought your own stuff over there? How did it work? No, nah, no, nah, yeah, a team. I um. Baden Blanchett, that helps me out. He organised the um, the team to go ride with over there, and yeah, I pretty much just rocked up. Everything was sorted, and and yeah, we raced for three nights, I think, and then and then yeah, I came home. Yeah, nice. It's good to get that exposure to those sorts of events because obviously there's there a whole different world over there in terms of the track prep, the the fans, um, you know, the bikes and the equipment you get to use. Um, yeah, did did you even get to take your own suspension, or did you just have to rock up and use what was there? Yeah, no, nah, I did take my own suspension. Well, at least that's but, um, a bit familiar. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, nah, it was good. But yeah, it was definitely an eye opener with um, with no one talking English and and you know what I mean the tracks and it was it was so tight and yeah, but yeah, no, nah, it was it was a good experience. I gather you don't have any German in in the uh, repertoire, mate. <laughs> no, <Nah>, nothing. <laughs> that does make it a little bit difficult. Yeah. You know, turn the clicker to the right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I was trying to change the clickers and and things like that because um because the track was heaps different to what I was like I only did a few days before I left. Yep. And even like with clickers and things like that, they were counting like we count you know what I mean in and then count back out to our clicker. They were yep. doing like opposite. They'll count in opposite ways and things like that. So the, yeah, I was getting really confused. But um, yeah, they yeah, they do everything different. You just point out to them, hand me the flat blade, I will do it. Yeah. 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 Oh no, that's all good, man. So look, um, Melbourne obviously is a different format again from the Australian Supercross side of things. We're back to a traditional. Uh, I think it's fifteen lap for you guys, isn't it? In SX two. Yeah. Um, yeah. How's the fitness, mate? We're going to make all fifteen laps at top speed, or what's the go there? Yeah. Yeah. No, I've been working hard this last. Oh. Since since I've done my thumb, pretty much I've done I've did a few weeks down at Wagga Wagga with Matt and and yeah I had a good good lead in Newcastle so yeah no I'm feeling fit and yeah ready to go. Nice. Well, look, hopefully, hopefully another solid night because you've you've been impressive so far, um, yeah. particularly Newcastle and look, um, hopefully a strong finish and maybe a top five in the series, mate, if everything goes well. 
Yeah, no, that's the plan. That no, should be good. Well, look, appreciate some time here um, on the Always Moto podcast. We'll um, definitely have to come and see you in person in the pits this time. We'll be in Melbourne again, so um, yep. we'll have to come check it out and, um, yeah, we'll get, some, uh, get some more things to talk about with Reed Taylor in the future. Yeah, no, sounds good. Awesome. Appreciate your time, Reed. Too easy. Thanks for having me on. No, easy. Thank you. Cheers, mate. See ya. Hey, this is Cole Thompson, and you're listening to Always Moto. All right, guys and girls, joining us this week on the Always Moto podcast, brought to you by Lee at Moto Australia. He rode Newcastle this past weekend. He's on a privateer Honda. He's the number 322. It's Jeremy Waters. How are we doing, mate? Yeah, good. Jeremy, we've got... Happy uh, to be the, here. Yeah, thanks for coming on too, mate. We've got the contractor on the line as well. Ben Grinley's on with us as well tonight. We've got a bit of a three-way call going on. <laughs> How What's going on, guys? Yeah, good, mate. Good, good. This is a first for you, mate, with the with the interviews joining in. But we figured you met Jeremy on the weekend and part of the banter that was going on in the pits, trying to get him going. But, uh, yeah, we thought we'd include you tonight, mate. Yeah, no, it's really cool. Um, yeah, we met Jeremy and had a bit of a laugh and stirred him up and... Uh, what not, so I'm sure there'll be plenty more of that tonight. <laughs> Jeremy, how was, the th- how was the Newcastle day for you, mate? It was awesome, honestly. I, that was, like, I've done a national before, but being in that full-size stadium with all the people was awesome. Now, not the results probably that you wanted to get, but just obviously the experience of doing a Supercross and, like I said, being in that stadium, probably just a really cool experience. I gather that's the first Supercross for you as well, mate. Yeah, well, I knew turning up, it wasn't going to be much of a result. I'd ridden once in a month and turned up on motocross suspension. <laughs> but it was just more to have a go and have some fun. Now, is that advisable to anybody else? Do you reckon you'd, you'd advise against super, motocross suspension on supercross track? That is the scariest thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> Try Trying to ride a supercross track on motocross suspension, I would not advise that on my worst enemy. Oh, the contract. Benny, you could probably do that, mate. No, I'll stay right out of that. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> just wound the clickers up and hope for the best. Now, was that like uh, just, you know, you, you didn't know any better in terms of like to, how to get a Supercross suspension or, you know, funds or just got to wing it? What, what was the reasoning behind that, mate? was sort of just I, I didn't plan to race the race. Okay. Um, until the Sunday before it, and then by that time it was too late to get suspension. Yeah, sure. Okay. So I guess then the question is, are we doing any more of these and are we going to get the suspension done this time? Well, I was hoping to get to Melbourne, but I don't think it's going to be in the budget this year. Okay. Um, just with the quick quicker turner- turnover to this round, it's a bit hard to get down there. Sure. Um, but 100% next year I'm getting suspension and actually putting in a proper pre-season supercross. Going to make it to the all, th- all three or, well, we heard, Benny, we heard on the weekend there might be five guaranteed next year, so that might be a bit more worthwhile for you too there. Yeah, well, by that time the apprenticeship will be done, so I'll be with everyone. <laughs> so what's the apprenticeship you do on the weekday, mate? What's the weekday grind? Uh, fit a machinist. All right, okay. And, and what does that entail for you? Um, it's pretty much working on all mining equipment. Okay. Any, anything, um, any size? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever they send to us from the um, coal mines around home. Yeah, right. And you're saying before we hit record, mate, around home is uh, somewhere between Mudgee and Dubbo for you, so you're a bit out there. Yeah, there's not much. Um, the little town we're in has got 
supermarket and a bakery, it's about it. Oh, Benny, I'm sure a bakery would go all right. <laughs> I reckon the bakery would go all right, but I know exactly what he's talking about because it's, you know, it's about the same for me. Um, you know, there's not much going on where I am and, you know, I did the nine-hour drive on the weekend just to get to Newcastle. So, yeah, the long drives to the important places <laughs> isn't nice and that's what uh, Jeremy would be doing as well. So I can understand where he's coming from. Yeah. So, mate, so if if Melbourne's not on the cards for you, you're going to be at least watching at home and, and taking some notes for, for next year's series about what you've got to do differently? Yeah, 100% I'll be watching it. What's... Um, um, What's the what have you like from the riding on the weekend? Obviously, like you got thirteenth in the heat race, and there's no LCQ to sort of, you know, get another chance to get into those three main events. But was there something you picked out that you've got to work on? One, obviously, the Supercross suspension might help, but in terms of the the track, like, was there an obstacle or something that you're like, yeah, I got to get better on that? Definitely whoops. I think that was um, everybody in Newcastle, but Benny, we saw a few crashes. Yeah, I, I think so. Yes, they were big, but they and they were V'd out at the bottom, so you couldn't. Every time you try and jump them, it would end bad. Yep. Um, just, I, I need to stop being so scared around people. <laughs> <laughs> it is different. I will say for lots of people that are you know um, trying to do a supercross and, and head to it, like you, you practice laps at home or on somebody a mate's track, and there might be you and another one or two people on that track at most, but you're usually not on the same bit of the track at the same time. You're sort of spaced out. So, yeah, all of a sudden you've got 10 people, you know, 10, 20 people heading to that first corner and all in that one rhythm lane for the first lap or two. It's a bit of a wild time. Yeah, I didn't know what was happening. came out of the first corner and before I knew it, someone was crashing and getting landed on. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, it makes it for an, makes it for an interesting night when that's all going down, isn't it? <laughs> and that was the weirdest dirt. <laughs> I think everybody, oh, well, everyone once the night was done was in agreements in with the dirt. But I did I did kind of find it funny that they were saying it was the best dirt that they had ever had when they were loading it in, but it definitely didn't ride very nicely on on Saturday night. No, I don't know if it was with all the rain they had leading up to it, and then it just was hot for a couple of days. Or what it was, but it was slip. It was bad. <laughs> well, I thought honestly, I thought like I live near, not far from Newcastle, and it rained heaps on the on the. Um, I think it was the third Wednesday night, Thursday night, and I would have thought that that would have softened the track and made it get a lot more rutted. But it seemed to have the opposite effect. It seemed to pack it in harder. Yeah, well, that was what I was thinking as well, but it just didn't didn't do it. <laughs> no, definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> So what are you? What else you got going on, Jeremy? I think you said you had a bit of a YouTube or a vlog going. I think I saw on a, one of a posts today, mate, about you. What, how do people find this for you? Uh, it's just meatball films on YouTube. It's just a bit of fun. Meatball sort films. Of just... That's an interesting name. How do we come up with meatball films? Where does that come from? <laughs> it was my nickname growing up. Oh, Benny, I can see that now that he said that. Yeah, I didn't hey. have much of a neck or anything on me, and that was my nickname. <laughs> Well, he had it plastered all over his shirt and his uh, hat and everything on the weekend in the pit, so did you I should not, have realised. Did I not notice that? I must have missed that. <laughs> yeah, no, I saw it. And then, um, yeah, when the post came up last night, I went on the YouTube and subscribed to it and checked out the uh, checked out the video to see the lead-up and what happened. And, 
throwing the bike in the hotel room and whatnot. So um, yeah, it was pretty interesting. Private to your life, mate. That's how you how you treat the the bike, mate. It's got to have a roof over its head. I wasn't game enough to leave it leave it in the car park in the van. <laughs> I wouldn't either. No way. <laughs> Waited till to... about ten o'clock at night, and she came inside. Yeah, that was my move way back in the junior days when the when we just had an open box trailer, and uh, me and yeah. Dad would creep out in, in the dark at about ten ten thirty, quietly roll the bike into the into the into the uh, room there, and uh, go to sleep. It was always fun yeah. in the morning, but when you roll it back out, and everyone was sort of moving around to go, and you're there pushing a bike out of the doorway. <laughs> Yeah, well, when we walked out, the receptionist was just staring us down with a dirty look yeah. in the morning. I was like, oh, well, can't kick us out now. <laughs> yeah, we're leaving anyway. It doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's gold. So, yeah, so the, is this one of your first uh, YouTubes or you got other stuff going on there too, man? Uh, I think got, this will be the fifth vlog. Yeah. But, yeah, first time doing it. Yeah, how's the uh, editing skills? Have we got any any there or are you just mashing them all together? <laughs> It's getting a little bit better. <laughs> Takes bit a bit of effort, bit. doesn't it? There's a lot of time that can go into these things. I never knew how much you had to film to, for, like, there's a good hour worth of footage and it ends up 10 minutes. Yeah, none like, of it's usable, you find. I find no, the same the time, problem. By the time you cut stuff out and then you shorten stuff up and before you know it, it's not as long as you think. No, you, you like you said, you film for ages and you're like, oh, we're going to have way too much stuff. And then you're like, yeah, where did that all go? So Yeah. No, that's all good. Well, yeah, look, hopefully somebody can uh, come over there and subscribe to what we say. It was Meatball Films. So I have to find yeah, you there on it. YouTube later after we hang up this record. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all good. So anything else other than the whoops, what else about the track that was uh, something you're going to work on for next year, mate? Dragon's back, 100%. <laughs> Did you manage to get that clean at some point? Because that was a bit of a nasty obstacle too from the from that particular track. I didn't get it clean per se but I felt like I got it fairly good one lap but then I tried doing the same thing the next lap and it just didn't work. You going from the inside or are you using the berm to sort of straighten yourself up to get to it better? I tried both. I found it easier to go from the inside and then sort of double up and then yep. off. Yeah, roll one, double then jump off I gather was that was the go from the inside so that, yeah, look at, I'm not going to claim to be able to do a dragon back so you're doing better than me at this point. Oh, I seen the video of Mossy and that was brutal. Yeah, that was a rough get off for him on that particular part of the track. He just missed that end point to keep the nose up and that was all she wrote. But that that's Dragonbacks. Like just look through the states, uh, there are supercrosses in the states and you'll see that, you know, most weekends if you look back into the qualifying sessions, but the ones that stand out are those ones of um Cooper Webb and Adam Cincerulo on the same obstacle back in I think it was Dallas or something a couple of years ago now where they both missed it and just endoed their brains out so yeah. it's, it's not a pleasant obstacle to get wrong no, no. you get it wrong you're nine times out of ten you're not really walking away no definitely not alright man so what's uh, what's the go for the rest of the week you're just back to the work life and uh, bike's going to go in the shed for a little while over summer or you got some races coming up here um, I'll it'll be work for the rest of the week and potter along pulling some parts off the bike that I don't really want on while I'm practicing. <laughs> the handguards are going to stay, but aren't they? Surely. Oh, handguards hand 100% are staying. Yes, Benny. We loved oh. it. We saw the handguards and we were in. I was yeah. the only person I've seen with handguards, so I'm running it. Um, But, yeah, a bit of bike work and then... 
see what happens. I might go for a ride on the weekend. I'm pretty cruisy. It's my off-season. I just kind of go with the flow. Now, are we going to stick to that 450 as well for uh, next season? Yeah, it'll be 450 only now. Yeah, nice, nice. Once you make the move, mate, it's hard to go back. Yeah, and no, I seem to ride it better, and it's just cheaper on maintenance. Yeah, that's a common thing for everybody, to, to get them to, to run a bit easier and nicer. Yeah, the 450 is a lot simpler for that aspect. One, it's got plenty of power, and two, because it's got plenty of power, you're not using such high revs, which is wearing everything out, so... Yeah, yeah. It, it makes sense from a privateer standpoint where funds are probably tight, mate. So now I'll be on the 450 next year and just have a couple months off and get ready for nationals to start. I've seen they announced one faggy as round one. Yeah, they're going to have an eight-round series, which will be good. I'm interested to see where the rest of the... Um rest of the rounds end up. They've obviously been investigating about changing out. Obviously, Coolum was the last time that they run that now, so they're trying to find another Queensland venue to fill that. And they, I know they were at MX Farm when I was up there for the YZ entry, seeing whether that was going to be a possibility. But, yeah, the rest of the rest of the venues will be interesting to see where they all land. And will you be going to all of those, mate? Yeah, that's the plan. will be every round of them. Nice. Um, all right. In MX1 and, yeah. Yeah, right. We'll see what happens. Are we getting a 2024 model Honda here, or are we just going to keep running the same thing? Um, I'm, I'm in between with that at the moment. I'm on a 21 model at the moment, but it doesn't have many hours. Dang. So I, I don't know if I'll get the a 24 and just run this one as a practice bike, or just stick this one out till halfway through next year. Yeah, fair enough. Well, look. I think by the time Supercross rolls around, things might be a little bit different for you. So you'll have to see how everything's looking at that point when um, when you want a pre-season prep and actually actually get some bump sticks that do what they're supposed to on a set of whoops. Yeah. Yeah, well, this bike will definitely get me through nationals and then we'll see what, what happens after that. Yeah, wonderful. All right, Benny, you got anything else for Jeremy before we get let him go here? Uh, how, how many nationals did you do this year, if any? Um, I got to, uh, where was it, Maitland, um, and just had a shocker of a qualifying. I put my head down too early, and then it's first time I'd ever done it. So by the time everyone was putting in their quick laps, so I just was all gassed out. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, so only one this year? Yeah, well, yeah, this year was just to get me feet. Get me feet wet and yeah, get ready for next year for it. Yeah, right. And then we'll hit we'll hit everyone next year. So yeah, should be should be interesting for you next year then. Yeah, well, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Jeremy, how old are you, mate? I gather you're only just fresh out of juniors at some point here recently. Oh, uh, I'm 19. Oh, you're actually a little bit older than I thought. I was. Didn't you have red pea plates on? No, I had green. Oh, maybe it was just the darkness when you left and we were trying to run into the van with, when you were running the van over us. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I thought, I thought it was a red pea plate. Maybe it was just the, the blood in my eyes as I was going, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah, no, 19. Oh, at least you're legal these days, mate. You can do those adult, adult things. <laughs> I don't drink or anything anyway, man. So it, for me, it didn't really make a difference. Yeah, fair enough. Well, you you probably got forced to vote recently, so that's one difference. I forgot about that and got a fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's priceless. That's 
I didn't think anything of it. And I'm like, oh, I've got a letter. Oh, here we go. How much was <laughs> the fine for that one? Oh, 50 bucks or something. Yeah, right. Still, 50 bucks just, you could have spent somewhere else. So. I just wrote in and told them I had COVID and got out of it. I'm <laughs> <laughs> not, sure, not sure you want to admit that too loudly, but anyway. <laughs> oh, oh, well. Oh, that's funny. 50 bucks so, is an entry fee to a track for the day. <laughs> On the on the Saturday night after you nearly ran us over on the way out, how long did it take you to get home? I didn't nearly run us over. Oh. Um, three and a half hours, maybe. That's actually yeah, all okay. right, so mate. It's not, yeah, not too bad. It was. I got stuck for a good forty-five minutes just leaving the stadium. Yeah, it was just a bit in... crowded there, and and all the traffic going out of the Newcastle area there would have been a bit rough for you. Yeah, so I think we got home. Oh, would have been one o'clock or roughly something like that. It's actually not too bad considering. So yeah, that's all right. And yeah, at least you're in your own bed at that point too, and you're already there, so you don't have to worry about getting up and starting over again on the Sunday to travel or whatever. So yeah, probably. Well, that move. was the thing. We were gonna we were gonna stay down and contemplating going and the after party and that, and I was like, no, oh, I'd rather just get in your bed. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like no other nineteen-year-old. <laughs> oh, fair but. enough. Well, look, Jeremy, the the first one's always the hardest one. You learn so much in those first few laps and moments on the track that, you know, one, you'll never forget it, and two, hopefully you've learned something that will make the experience all that much better the second time, whenever that is that you get to it next year. So hopefully next year's a lot better for you, mate. Yeah, well, had to get my feet wet somehow, and in Australia we don't really have an amateur class or anything, so it's kind of the only way you can do it. Yeah, it's very true. Well, you kind of just got to jump in the deep end and hope. <laughs> yeah, but look, you've done it now. Um, so hopefully it's all all uphill from here that you can make it actually work for you and, you know, make a main event and get the whole whole experience in one. But um, you have to save that for 2024, mate. But um, we appreciate you making some time for us on the Always Moto podcast. No, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it, man. We'll, we'll leave you to it. We'll talk to you soon. Right. See you, mate. See you, Jeremy. Hey, this is Brett Metcalf. You're listening to Always Moto Podcast. All right, guys, guys, we are back. Thanks for sticking around in the Always Moto Podcast brought to you by Liet Moto Australia. Uh, we're going to close the show out here, but it's amazing how when we've talked about this a few times on the show in the last few weeks that whenever we put it out, you know, an hour or two later, we see an update from somebody that we wish we had known before we put the podcast out. And because today's podcast has been done over two days with the people that i've recorded the interviews at just when they were available it's meant that there was an update that i've caught they've put in here at the final end part so we're going to capture this in the outro here but marvin muskan has popped up and uh, popped up <laughs> that was great english popped up an update about his situation uh in terms of whether he's going to be racing again in the supercross in the ama or not um as you will know he went out very early on in the uh 2023 supercross season i believe it was after round two of my memory serves well he was training uh with the outer baker crew there at that hemet supercross track there in southern california broke a wrist and unfortunately due to some previous work that had been done in that area he wasn't able to have surgery to repair it he had to let it basically have that stuff removed and then let it uh, 
repair naturally, which then takes a lot longer. Uh, it's already then unst- unstable and f- more fragile because of those previous injuries. So he's had a lot of work done there already. And he's taken a lot of time to get back to that. He's been building some one two five KDMs to sort of replicate what he was on way back in the day in terms of that original MX2 championship bikes of his. Um, but yeah, so he's been doing a little bit of riding and I thought that he was obviously going well and going to be fine, but the update has come out that he's not going to be racing Supercross. He's still giving himself a bit more time to heal. He is riding and having fun being back on the bike, but at this stage he's not going to be racing in 2024 Supercross. Whether that means there'll be maybe an outdoor ride in 2024 for him, maybe he transitions and does a bunch of international races at the end of 2024, Maybe this is it for Marvin. We will wait and see. But he is back from that injury, just not well enough or not wanting to put in that effort just yet. Uh, Maybe he's still under some restrictions from surgeons around just not competing at this point in time. Because obviously riding is one thing. Competing is a completely other situation. And you put your body through a massive load compared to when you're just training. So uh, maybe there's some things there that he's just needing some more time on who knows maybe he needs to get some work done on it finally maybe there's something needs to be cleaned up now that it is actually the bones back in one piece you know as they're supposed to be maybe there's some edges or some other cartilage damage in there that we don't know about that he's not mentioning and maybe that's the reason behind this delay in his return or like i said maybe there is no return we'll have to wait and see but that's the Marvin Muskan update that we've been waiting for for probably a while. And we, like we said, we managed to get it in here on the end of the show because of the way we had to record over a couple of days. So it was not a one one start, you know, hit start and record all the way through show. Um, we do this in bits and pieces here on the Always Moto podcast brought to you by Lee at Moto Australia. Now, thanks for listening, guys and girls. Don't forget, let's get those T-shirt orders in. We're trying to get the funds up here to get to some races in 2024 in the States. Uh, we need those T-shirts to be sold Info at alwaysmoto.com to order yours. Make sure you're subscribed on the social media platforms to stay up to date with all things moto. Search Always Moto, then follow and subscribe. Same on the podcast feeds, but that podcast feeds, if you are if your app allows, like on Spotify, if you're listening on Spotify right now, you need to go and leave us a rating. Uh, leave a rating, a five-star one, preferably. It helps boost this up. We've got five on there. I'd like to have 50, 50 more of these damn things on there. Uh, so if you're listening on Spotify, please leave us a rating on the app when this uh, podcast finishes, which will be here in just a few seconds. Don't forget to follow or, sorry, to check out our written articles over on fullnoise.com.au. Um, we do plenty of things over there on Full Noise in the written form with video links as well. Our post-race video is up there as well, as well as the audio interviews from Newcastle is up on fullnoise.com.au, so check it out. But that's it for another show. Thanks to Elite Moto Australia, Competitive Edge Performance, Slant Board Guy, Endurance Recovery Boots, and Tech 167 3D Printing for the show support. Thanks to the Fantasy League sponsors, which we haven't done anything Fantasy League-wise yet. We're getting there. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see how we go. I, I haven't decided if we're going to run this league yet. We, um, we might need some people to, to push us in that direction. So send a message if you want us to do it again. Thanks to the Always Motor Contractor. Thanks to Blair for the banter. Uh, thanks to you guys and girls out there for listening. Thanks to the wife for letting me do this. Remember, you've got to be smooth to be fast because if you're not, I'll probably be seeing you deep in the emergency department, maybe even the clinic, having strapping tape thrown wherever it will stick.